Ricarda Tillman Lockett was born on the Winnebago Indian Reservation and was a member of the Winnebago Indian Tribe of Nebraska, when at 18 years old, she left Sioux City, Iowa for the big city. Just four years later, in February 2007, she would leave work one day and never be seen again. While her family believes they know who might have the answers to her disappearance, the police do not have enough evidence to arrest anyone. This is the story of Ricarda Tillman Lockett. Hey guys, this is Ash. This is Shiashi. This is Maggie, and you're listening to We Are Resilient. So we're back in person. We've got our new recording equipment set up. We have been yelling in each other's ears the last few minutes. <laughs> it's really nice, though. It's nice to see you guys in person, even though we barely made it. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. On a Saturday. <laughs> Saturday. I literally see you every day, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. Asha's bumping stuff already. This is our first time really <clears throat> using our equipment, so I tried to make this uh, recording today a Zoom, but... Maggie called me out in the text thread. We said in person. I thought that's what we said. No, you were like, I'm confused. I was like, fine, in person. <laughs> the doors unlocked. Just come upstairs. On the coldest Saturday yet. Yeah. It was, pretty it was like 20 degrees outside. Mm-hmm. So before we... It's going to be hard. We just can't move. Just don't... Don't move. Don't breathe too hard. Is there not a mute button? <laughs> you know, mute ourselves. There is up top. So before we get into today's episode, I wanted to talk quickly about some news on the Indigenous front that I thought was relevant to the podcast. I talked a little bit about it with Maggie yesterday, Um, and this is about Jason Momoa. Are you familiar with what I'm referencing? Yeah. (laughs) Who doesn't know Jason Momoa? Well, I mean, like, why he's in the news. Oh, no. (laughs) She's like, yeah, I know Jason Momoa. (laughs) He's hanging in my bedroom. But I had read in a couple of articles about Native Hawaiians calling him out for exploiting their culture. I don't know if you remember, he was on, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel, and Mm -hmm. he had showed up in a, is it called a Malo? And he had shared a picture of himself on a fishing trip, and he was wearing it. And, you know, the Malo is basically similar to, like, the breech cloth that our Cherokee wears. Traditional wear. And so there were people who were upset because so many people were like thirsting over him in this uh, traditional wear. I read this BuzzFeed article that said that, and we know this, back when Christian missionaries first arrived in Hawaii, they banned hula because it was, quote, enchanting. So basically, people are saying thirsting over him in traditional wear is racist because it's sexualizing him in traditional dress. And as you know, we have a history of being hypersexualized and oversexualized as indigenous people. And then others are saying Jason is exploiting the culture by like parading himself around in this traditional wear that leaves very little to the imagination. Yeah. Is he, where's he from? He's Samoan. He's Samoan, but he's supposed to be uh, shooting a movie in Hawaii. That's like based on like the, I don't know, it's like 1700s, 1500s. Mm-hmm. So he's saying he's wearing it to get used to wearing it for the film. But he's exploiting it. That's what some people feel. And some people are like, well, at least he's bringing awareness to indigenous culture. I mean, to me, he doesn't seem like the type to go out and parade around the intent to garner attention. He may just get that attention because of who he is. Mm -hmm. I feel like he probably doesn't have ill intent. But so So, I guess I I do get the argument that, you know, 
it seems to be exploiting the culture. And like you said, you know, we as Indigenous people have suffered from that since colonization. So he should be more cautious. I agree. I don't think he has ill intent. Just because I want to think really good things about Jason Momoa. And he's done a lot. He's He's done done a lot lot to bring awareness. Yeah. I think you're right. You got to make sure you're not crossing over a line where it is exploitive. But to me, being another Indigenous person, trying to bring awareness to the culture is much better than a non-Indigenous person doing the same. And he could do it while educating people instead of sexualizing it. So on that note, we're going to go ahead and get into today's story because the stories we tell aren't about Jason Momoa. I do want to preface this by sharing that some of the details vary from article to article on the case I'm about to share with you. So I am going to do my best to uh, piece it together for you guys. Today I'm covering Ricarda Tillman Lockett. Ricarda, known by those close to her as Rika, was born in April 1984 on the Winnebago Indian Reservation and was a member of the Winnebago Indian Tribe of Nebraska. She spent her childhood in Sioux City, Iowa, before she moved to Memphis, Tennessee, just after she turned 18. And Memphis is where her father's family lives. She was described as the life of the party, a fun and loving individual. At some point, a few years after living in Memphis, a 22-year-old Ricarda met and married a man named Lou, and the couple had a son. Now, from what I've read, Ricarda and Lou had a very tumultuous relationship. Police that seems to be the common thing. It really it? is. It really is. Police records show Ricarda told police her husband verbally threatened to kill her or her family three different times. Lou was arrested just three weeks prior to his wife's disappearance in January 2007, after officers were called to the couple's home twice on the same day and witnessed marks on Rika's neck consistent with being choked. He did get arrested? Yes. The police report also noted that Lou had a 9mm is that right? Nine mil- a 9mm handgun in the glove compartment of his car. He was arrested and charged with assault, and Ricardo went to live in a domestic violence shelter. So already you can see, like, it's not just an argument here and there. I mean, it's more than like, this is a really severe DV situation. If he's threatening to kill her and, mm-hmm. you know, putting his hands on her neck, like, that's a really dire situation. And she's only 22, so she's still, she was fairly young. On February 19th, 2007, Ricardo was reported missing. One source I read stated that Ricardo was known as a reliable and dependable employee who was always called into work if she was going to be later absent. Is that me? I think so. I hear that too. I don't know. I've heard it a few times. Some crinkling. Some static. I still hear it. Move yours around, Osh. What causes that? I don't know. You're our AV. I don't know what this is. <laughs> oh, it stopped. No, it didn't. Let me do a quick Google. Oh, it's better. Okay. Let's, let's go. Now it's fine, yeah. Okay. No, it's not. <laughs> it's like I hear it. Do you guys watch those things on TikTok where those people are like ASMR? No, I'm on horse TikTok. They're live and they're just like, they put shaving cream on it and they're just like, because it's supposed to be like soothing sounds. That seems like sensual. Ew. And they just whisper the whole time. Or they like eat chicken. What kind of TikTok are you guys on? ASMR. It's coming out too early. <laughs> the algorithms are telling us. I don't watch them. They just pop up. I'm on equestrian TikTok and I watch people uh, clean their horses' hooves and put horseshoes on. Oh. Oh my gosh. Is that where they're like scraping yes. it and stuff? It's so interesting. It is. I'm like, I want to try that. And where they clip it, they're like clipping like chunks. You know what? And my toxic trait for sure is like, if I watch a few videos, I'm like, I can do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go out to a horse farm. <laughs> I could totally do that. Like I've watched a lot of TikToks. Watched a few TikToks. I think I can do that. I, I got this. 
overconfident in my skills <laughs> that I do not have. No, I get on farm TikTok, horse TikTok, and baby TikTok. Mine's mostly um, Justin Bieber, Selena. Oh my yes. God. Like that, all that. Oh no. my God. I'm so deep into that. <laughs> I don't ever see farm animals. <laughs> better to go back to doing zoom because we can't get <laughs> okay back on track okay on february 19th 2007 ricardo was reported missing i had read that she was known as a reliable and dependable employee who has always called into work if she was going to be late or absent so her not showing up to work the next day and the following day raised alarm bells with her boss and i read that it was actually her boss who reported her missing However, other reports state that Ricardo was supposed to pick up her 11-month-old son from her aunt's house and never showed up. Um, and it was her family, her mom, that reported her missing. Maybe they both did. There's there's a few articles that I was able to find, but the details are <clears throat> different in each one. So it's like, which one? Right. So she had an 11-month-old child that she left with her aunt? Mm-hmm. Was that maybe her babysitter? The aunt was watching the 11-month-old son while she was at work. Mm -hmm. But she never came home to pick him up yeah. for two days. And it didn't, on the day one, it didn't alarm them? From what I read is that I guess she had like a past habit oh. of just leaving unannounced. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of not out of the ordinary. Not out of the ordinary. But two days was two days, common. Yeah. yeah. Most sources agree that Ricarda left work in downtown Memphis that day around 10 a.m. She left with her estranged husband, Lou, because if you remember at this time, she was still living in the domestic violence shelter. Co-workers expected her to return, but she never did. And leaving work that day was the last time anyone had ever seen her. She left behind her personal belongings, including her wallet and cell phone. Now, again, when I said like multiple articles have different statements or facts or whatever they're reporting, various accounts differ on whether Lou had dropped Ricarda off either at their house or at the shelter she was staying at. In an interview with authorities, Lou had stated that he dropped Ricarda off at their home around 5 p.m. that day to get clothes and leave uh, extra baby clothes there. He then shared that he went to a friend's house to work on a car and then spent the night at his mom's house. He did say that Ricarda had been staying at the shelter and he had no idea that she was missing until the babysitter called. So he picked her from work? Yeah, he was the last one seen with her because after she left work that day, she was never seen again. He dropped her off at the domestic violence shelter. He says he dropped her off at the house, but other sources I've read said that he dropped her off at the shelter. But if he dropped her off at the shelter, there would be people there to see it. Well, it should be noted that <clears throat> shelter employees told authorities that they never saw Ricarda at the shelter. That day, Memphis Lieutenant Mark Miller was quoted in the Sioux City Journal that Ricarda's case is a challenge because, you know, this was back in 2007 and her body has never been found. He cited her history of leaving unannounced, but didn't believe that this was the case this time, stating, quote, no matter what I believe, it's, it's it'd be hard to prove anything without some physical evidence proving that she's dead. This happens so often. I mean, we said it before, but if there's no body, there's essentially no crime. Yeah, there's no case. Yeah. And then you That's got, a thing in like law enforcement, like nobody, no crime. Like if you don't have evidence, then have you heard the Taylor Swift song? Nobody, no crime. Uh, but you should listen to it. She's got a body, a body. <laughs> She's got a song called Nobody, No Crime. Is it about killing someone? Yeah, it's about. It's like a story about a woman that's in a, like a, a relationship and all this oh. stuff. It's really interesting. She's and a good songwriter. Uh, where am I? At? Uh, so her family has maintained that they do not believe she would run away and leave her child behind. It's really sad, too, is like a lot of times people just play it off as like, oh, well, she runs away a lot or she leaves a lot, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. She asks for it. and mm -hmm. I'm I'm least happy that the 
the lieutenant publicly stated, like, we don't believe that's yeah. the case this time. Yeah, me too. So what's really crazy, remember, she went missing in February 2007. What is crazy that I've read was that in 2006, a year before she went missing, Lou, her husband, had wrote a book. Wrote a book? He wrote a book. This book details theories on how to bury a body so that discovery is impossible. What? Under what pretenses? Like, is this like fiction or what? Was this book published? Yes. This book provides instructions on how to dissolve human bones with acid. Okay. Oh my God. There's an excerpt that, or an excerpt that reads the acid immediately ate the bones up to nothing. Well, that's. Yeah. Did did they take that into consideration when they were doing their investigation and looked into him? There's not. Lou's never been publicly named as a person of interest or a suspect. Even though there's been domestic violence in the relationship, she's missing and he was the last person to be with her. Yeah. So just in case if you're listening, I'm not going to name the book. I don't see a need or a purpose for a book like this to be written. So I'm not going to. I mean, I get that. But also, like, I think that raising awareness about the book would cause more uproar than just. But I guess people could look up his name. They could look. Yeah. And, you know, and there's news articles about it. So but I just thought it was an interesting thing that a year before he had published this book, this is obviously stuff that he was thinking about if he wrote it. Now, Lou does claim his innocence and he continues to claim his innocence, telling Action News 5, quote, I know deep in my heart that I didn't kill her. If they are not looking for the truth, I won't deal with them. If they are looking, then I can try to help them. I can take a lie detector test. I can try to do whatever to give them some type of comfort. So during this time, a judge signed a protective custody order uh, against Lou for their baby after Ricardo disappeared. The judge stated that Lou was a risk to the child's safety. And the order states, quote, the father has been heard stating the mother is dead, but the mother has yet to be located. So how is that not enough reason to list him as a suspect to change this to a murder investigation? I mean, it could, but I think I've heard other cases where they've stated that, you know, someone's dead, but there's not been any proof of it. But he didn't say, I killed her. He just assumed she's dead. I think we've learned enough over the time we've done this podcast is that when stuff seems like really blatant and in your face, it doesn't get picked up or looked at or investigated fully. How many cases have we covered where it's like, it's clear who did it? But you know, how many hours before did he get arrested? Did you say? Was it days? It was three weeks before he was arrested. Now, Ricardo's aunt shared that the that Lou actually regained custody of the boy and the family has not seen that baby since. Oh, my God. So, or Lou. So I guess he took off with the baby. I don't know. I'm just hypothesizing here. I don't know. It didn't. I couldn't find any article that stated or had any comments from him like years later. So that kid's like 16 now, right? 17? Mm-hmm. Now, in 2017, a tip was sent into officials of informing them of the similarities between Ricarda and what is named Oklahoma City Jane Doe. Now, Ricarda's DNA was quickly compared to the unidentified remains, and it was confirmed that the remains do not belong to Ricarda. Uh, the Oklahoma City Jane Doe was a teenager or young adult whose partial remains were discovered by an electric company crew while repairing a power pole in 2008. You know, it's just, it's... Wait, what were those similarities, though? I couldn't find anything that shared what the similarities were. It was compared to unidentified remains, maybe... Maybe in the same area? I don't think so. It it could have easily been like, I don't know, bone structure, facial structure, things like that. I'm not sure. Isn't it sad, though? This is like 
her case led to another case. And there's a teenager, young adult who's unidentified, who something happened to, and they don't know who it is. Like, there's so many cases out there. And factors that go into it. Yeah. Like, I was thinking about the son. If he's 17 now, he's lived his whole life without a mom and not knowing what happened to her. Ricardo's <clears throat> case remains unsolved. Though they're treating her as a missing person, law enforcement has suggested that they believe she is dead and know who did it. They do not, however, have enough evidence to charge and arrest anyone. Many of Ricardo's family members also believe they know who did it, and they suspect that Lou may know what have happened to her. I guess they're saying maybe it's all just circumstantial. It's all, it, it all like ties back to one person, but it's not enough to say definitively, yes, he did it. And there's not enough evidence. Yeah. You know what's crazy? It's like, so I was listening to a Dateline episode, and I don't know the name of the episode, but it was a scenario where very similar ex-spouses were kind of estranged, and the husband had brought the kids to the ex-wife's house to visit. The kids, like, went and sat in the car so dad could talk to mom, Mm -hmm. and he was in there for, like, a really long time. And the curious six-year-old, like, came in, like, opened the mail hatch and saw him using bleach to clean something up. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, so the wife was found dead, and the kids witnessed that and testified that, and he was still found not, not guilty. What? Yep. What justice do women have in the system, like, if no one ever believes bad things happen to them? I sat on the jury of a murder trial. <clears throat> I was on the jury for literally, like, 22 days. It was terrible. But what's crazy is, like, <clears throat> if a trial goes to jury, it really is the opinion of the juror and yeah. it's what they the, think what well what they think based off of what the district attorney presents mm-hmm. it's very ambiguous because it's not clear and there are so many and and all you have to do is if you question it you can't prove them guilty like even a little bit well it's just like you know like you said with going to trial tina walken six is coming up soon mm-hmm. and even though they have people like five people charged who knows what will happen in the court system that's why we say you know the even when cases have people arrested like justice isn't served until they're sentenced and even then someone can commit murder and be sentenced to you know 10 years one life term if it's 15 i think 15 is the minimum but they could be served only 15 years for taking a life like that's nuts yeah it just feels like there's no hope. Well, you remember the very first case we covered on the podcast was Savannah LaFontaine Greenwin. Mm-hmm. And the baby was cut from her womb. The man was there to help dispose the body. But he was sentenced and he'll be 50 when he's able to get out of jail and just walk around and be free. It's terrifying. It is. For someone to have the wherewithal or the ability to do that to another human being and then just reintegrate back into society like that's scary okay so ricardo's mother francesca did state that she has given up hope of seeing her daughter alive she just wants to bring her home she said quote i think that would just help all of us if we could just bring her home and lay her to rest ricardo tillman lockett at the time of her disappearance was 5'2 and weighed 120 pounds if you have any information, please contact the Memphis Police Department at 901-373-3883. Thank you for listening to We Are Resilient. For links to information found for this episode, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at We Are Resilient Podcast. Send us an email at weareresilientpod at gmail.com or visit us at www.war.com dash podcast.com.